Roll on the rollback. A host of Labour's policies were shown to the scrap heap this week as the new coalition starts passing laws at pace. This government is looking like the most backward, regressive, divisive that we have ever seen as a country. The adults are back in charge and New Zealanders say to the last lot, good riddance. Kia ora Craig McCulloch aho and a te pūrongo tōranga pūmō tēnei wiki. Welcome to Focus on Politics. I'm Craig McCulloch. The week began with a bang. Winston Peters in the hot seat, upgraded to acting Prime Minister as Christopher Luxon jetted to Australia to see his daughter graduate. The New Zealand First Leader is familiar with the role, having been Deputy PM twice before, and he clearly relished his return. Words matter, Mr Robinson. Not just gobbledygook. Opposition MPs tried to trip up Mr Peters with a range of strategies, some more successful than others. For one, they tested his basic knowledge. Can he tell the House what the minimum wage is today? 233? 2270? 2270? Am I right? Yeah, no, I didn't ask him. No, I was telling him. MPs also quizzed Mr Peters on his party's previous positions, many of which have now flipped since joining the new coalition. He was reminded he once defended the oil and gas ban and the Reserve Bank's dual mandate, both of which are now being reversed. I'm certain that members and those in the gallery and those who are watching on TV are are going to enjoy today's conversation because they're hearing so many wise words being repeated back to them, in this case by the opposition, uh, with respect to National Party members. But we have to move on. The the point is is this. No. But the opposition refused to move on. Labour's leader, Chris Hipkins, even called back to comments made by Mr Peter's coalition partner, foe-turned-friend David Seymour. Does the Prime Minister, or the Acting Prime Minister, agree with David Seymour that, quote, you can't trust Winston Peters, and a lot of things will be much, much harder than they otherwise would, and that Winston Peters is, quote, just a muppet. The problem is he can't work with anyone. The good news is he's going down in flames. He's yesterday's man. And if not, why not? Because um, even politically, as the, book, as the good book says, nobody's beyond redemption. None of it seemed to rattle Mr Peters, who barrelled on, at once proving how he will be a provocation to both the opposition and his coalition partners. We acknowledge that and don't just carry on like a bigoted lefty shill. You don't shout out like some bunch of clowns at university. If the member's concerned about the cost of living... No, no, no. On the marae, Megan, you keep quiet. Right. You know. It set the stage for what was to be a colourful week in the debating chamber. Parliament quickly shifted into urgency and onto the coalition's major repeal job, bit by bit dismantling the former government's legacy. The Reserve Bank's dual mandate was first to go, returned to a singular focus on inflation. Inflation is our enemy. This makes no difference, and we're wasting all of our time in debating it. It's heartless, it's disgraceful, and a Merry Christmas to you all. Shame on you! From there it was farewell to the fair pay agreements. Fair pay agreements were never about fairness. He got no out of half with the people. We don't want to be part of their filthy right agenda, Mr Speaker. And goodbye to the clean car discount. A happy new year to our farmers and tradies. We have members opposite who believe they know better. They know better than communities around the country. 
The coalition is making no apologies for its swift sidelining of Labour's laws, saying it's simply cracking on with what it promised on the campaign trail. It has faced some criticism, though, for its processes, after a leaked document showed it had suspended the usual scrutiny of some of its proposed laws in its 100-day plan. That means no regulatory impact statements for some legislation, which is the usual place officials can flag up any potential consequences. Uh, We are very comfortable in suspending um, regulatory impact statements because we don't think they'll add value for decisions that we're repealing legislation. Then it was revealed such advice had already been received on the move to scrap the clean car discount, but that the minister responsible refused to release it. Why won't he release the draft document so we can see what the draft advice was before we vote on the legislation? Well, it was a, it was a draft document. While the coalition may have a mandate to implement its policy bonfire, its opponents are certainly not letting the moment go by unnoticed. On Wednesday, the Council of Trade Unions staged a small rally protesting the end of fair pay agreements. A few hours later, hundreds more arrived to protest the government's smoke-free changes. Another promised reversal, the end to the generational ban on tobacco. What do we want smoke-free? When do we want it? Now! The plan is let people die. We want the money so we can give tax cuts to our rich mates. It's still too early to tell the impact of such protests. They've become an early feature of this coalition's time and power. And while National has at times seemed uncomfortable with the pushback, New Zealand First in particular has been relishing it. The other notable feature this week was a certain mood lighting set for next week's mini-budget, as the Finance Minister continued her efforts to paint her predecessor as fiscally irresponsible. The coalition government will be different from the last lot. We will be disciplined and we will tidy up the mess that has been left behind by Labour. We will give taxpayers money the respect it deserves. Late Wednesday, Nicola Willis revealed one of the major fiscal risks which she has been teasing, announcing that the price tag for the Cook Strait Ferry project had blown out to some $3 billion, twice what the business plan had indicated two years ago. As a result, she confirmed Cabinet's decision to pull the handbrake and send KiwiRail back to the drawing board. This is a project that under the previous government's watch not only became far more expensive than was originally projected, but one which also veered far away from its core purpose. We all agree that the cost escalations that KiwiRail proposed were unacceptable, and they were not accepted by the previous government. Labour's finance spokesperson Grant Robertson denies any responsibility, placing blame on KiwiRail itself, and pointing out that in October last year, the enterprise told ministers the worst-case scenario was that costs would not top $1.75 billion. Instead, the estimate is now $3 billion. Plenty of blame being shuffled around, but not much clarity from anyone looking forward. KiwiRail's board and stakeholders will meet next week to consider their options. This government, our coalition government, is committed to a resilient, safe and reliable Cook Strait ferry service. But that cannot mean that we have an open checkbook to provide whatever is asked in whatever circumstances that might arise. Mr Speaker, I urge the Minister to do two things. Find some certainty for New Zealanders and release the full documentation about this project so that uh, New Zealanders can see how hard the previous government worked to keep a ferry crossing going for them in the future.
Expect the finance fisticuffs to reach fever pitch on Wednesday at that big reveal, the mini-budget, when Nicola Willis will open the books and lay out a pathway to her promised tax cuts. RNZ's political reporter Annika Smith joined Stuff's political editor Luke Malpass on Morning Report to provide some more analysis on the week that was. Question time was was pretty rowdy this week. Um, on Tuesday, Christopher Luxon was in Australia for a short trip for his daughter's graduation. So we saw Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters in, in the hot seat as acting Prime Minister. And it was pretty feisty stuff in question time. We saw sort of a sustained attack from both Labour and the Greens, putting some of Winston Peters' previous quotes to him. Nothing really stuck. He was sharp, quick-witted, really quick on his feet. And it was a, it was a really feisty um, question time, series of question yeah. I watched that, Luke, and you have to admit, he he was very strong in in the House, wasn't he? It's a good reminder that when he's on, Winston Peters is one of the great parliamentary debaters probably in New Zealand history. And um, and clearly he brings with him um, a determination from New Zealand first that they are going to do everything they can to heckle, berate and... um, undermined both the Party Māori and the Greens and they're on a mission to do that the next three years. Shane Jones was also clearly relishing being back in Parliament, uh, starting a real fight with the environmental issues and climate change, all the while uh, Simon Watts is over in uh, Dubai trying to um, push for some firmer action there uh, on, on climate change. How did that go down? That's right, Ingrid. It was Shane Jones made some really interesting comments in the House earlier this week when he was he was talking about New Zealand's climate change um, policy programme and said it had been driven by, quote, climate hysteria. Now, as you said, this is at a time when New Zealand is being represented by Simon Watts at COP28. New Zealand has been awarded Fossil of the Day Award um, for the new government's uh, reversal of the the, um, ban on drilling for new oil and gas uh, mines. And the language is really interesting. Shane Jones talked about climate hysteria. He also said we won't meet our, quote, 2030 dreamy fairy tale aspirational figures. And this sort of blew up. I think it was initially interpreted as New Zealand walking away from its obligations under the Paris Agreement, when in actual fact he was making a finer point on opposing Labour's 2030 renewable energy goal. But that language, dreamy fairy tale and hysteria, it is deliberate and it does have implications. Christopher Luxon has said there's no room for climate denialism or minimalism in 2023, so it may prove a challenge for him in terms of managing you know, his front bench going forward. The issue, Luke, of the economy, back in focus mm-hmm. very much, and I wonder... Much more comfortable ground for the government this week after the protests last week and the issues around mm-hmm. smoking. You get weirdly that the bad GDP figures have bolstered their case in some ways for what they're trying to do. They've argued that it was bad, and then the ferry as well, a bit of a line in the sand. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, the um, uh, as you say, the, there were some revisions made to um, the growth numbers for the last three or four quarters, and basically, you know, New Zealand's been in a, in a, in a bit of a deeper hole than was. There was previously thought the economy is contracting, particularly on a per person basis, which is which is what matters for kind of um, you know um, each person's wealth. Um, it is you know it's 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 been down I think point nine percent for the year. Um, but yeah, the biggest look the, uh, the Inter this week huge decision for the government. Um, Nicola Willis, Wellington local. In 2026, when these new ferries were supposed to arrive, there would have been a great ribbon cutting for the government. It would have been terrific, but um, essentially. The, the view from the government is that the costs have blown out so much, Nicola Willis didn't even think it would come in for $3 billion. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big call to basically, can the project 
without without much to replace but it. what a psychological message that sends mm. to all other contracts everything i mean they've got the scott base one to deal with as well but yes. it just sends a very strong signal doesn't it it does they... across the across the entire sector because I, I i don't think I, I i think very few people across the sector um uh outside of those with special knowledge of how of how kind of um much it had blown out would have thought that this would have been the sort of project that would have been cancelled. So no, no one, no one's pet projects are safe. Anything that's out of line with the with the with the new regime could be could be up for the cut. So I think it, it sends a very powerful message. Mm. I mean, it's a great sector. it's a great narrative for them as the prudent new government. But they've got a huge headache now, haven't they? In terms of a government that has talked about, you know, the integrity of the infrastructure, there are implications for productivity, freight exports, all those kind of things. I mean. There's a, a gaping hole to be filled now too, isn't there? Very much so, Ingrid. And the, in terms of, I mean, Luke said there, that's a really big call for the new government to make. The government's going to have to make a lot of big calls this term. There's a lot of big decisions looming around the corner. We have um, that big report on what's needed in terms of investment and defence. We might have to replace, or we do have to replace, pretty much all of our ships in the next 10 years. That means decisions, multi-billion dollar decisions need to be made this term. And that's in the face of, of, of the current sort of economic situation. The government has sort of dampened expectations that spending would rise to 2% of GDP in line with our allies. But this is all stuff that is right around the corner at the time in which the government is trying to draw back public spending. Mm. They I have picked I... a lot of fights. This is the interesting thing that's evolved over the last two weeks. You've got this now environmentalist Shane Jones has been going at. You've got the issues around the smoking. You've got the issues around the Maori protests we saw as well. And the unions with the fair pay repeal as well. So they've got a lot of fronts yeah, and, and they've been given the mandate to fight those fronts. They 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 were elected. Um, National was. Do you elected. think they were uh, were prepared for the level of pushback on those issues or not? I think in a way it probably validates their their policy platforms. They, they knew exactly what they were doing going into the election with these these policies, and and they're pushing forward. Yeah. I, I think David Seymour has has said you know almost sort of indicated he relishes in the fact that you know there's going to be this big um, Maori um, hui next year, and and there'll be an open dialogue about his policies. So I think they've sort of almost embraced it in a way. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that. Um, from Chris Luxon on down, government ministers have been saying over the last week is there's a new government, and we were mm. we were we were elected on doing a bunch of different things to the old government, and uh, and there's a lot of uh, people who are pretty upset about that uh, and haven't kind of come to terms with it, and so I think that will I mean that kind of feeling will very much be the mood music over the over the next few years, and I think the political left has been trying to get itself organised, you know, sort of make the make the government look in, in, in disarray. But I mean, there was a fair pay agreements protest at the front of Parliament the other day, and I think there were ninety people there or something like that. So, you know, they haven't. It's interesting because there's a bit of protesting, but really they haven't really done anything yet. You know, you know what I mean. So, um, well, they have. See what happens next year when stuff actually starts to happen? Yeah, on fair pay agreements. I mean, MPs sat really long hours this week. The House went into urgency on Tuesday as the government sort of tried to make inroads on his 100-day plan. It's repealed the Reserve Bank's dual mandate. It's repealed fair pay agreements, and it was cracking on with repealing the clean car discount. So they are really trying to make inroads there. That's set to continue into next week, Parliament's final week of the year, with the Coalition gearing up to axe Labour's RMA changes and to bring back 90-day trials for employers. Full steam ahead, right up to Christmas. That's Focus on Politics. I'm Craig McCulloch. Thanks for joining me. Matewa.